and welcome to the weekly review. This is Roman. It is Friday, March 31st, 2017. It's the last day of the month, and what a month it has been. And if you're here, then you have survived March as well, so congratulations. Today happens to be Transgender Day of Visibility, which uh, is a complicated... It's complicated. We'll talk about it more. Wanting to spread a lot of love to all the trans folks out there in the universe, past and present, who have sacrificed and lived their lives. So those of us today can speak our truth and be our truth in the world. There's a lot that still needs to be done. There's still a lot of attacks happening around the planet. And there's also a lot of progress that has been made. So wanting to wanting to give voice to that, opened up the show with a song by Star Amarasu from Star's new album, Rebecca. And that song is called Kalanapin. And we'll hear some more music along the way. Ha! <sighs> what a week. Today, we have a wonderful guest calling in, really excited, and that's Danny Castro. And Danny is the uh, project director uh, at the Center for uh, Center of Excellence for Transgender Health. And she's also the co-founder of uh, Taja's Coalition. So very much looking forward to speaking with her later on the program. That will be around 1230. Ah, ah. Trigger warning, this is a news program. A lot of the things that will be talked about on the show may, you know, strike a nerve with some folks. It does with me oftentimes. So wanting to put that warning out there, first of all, it's also important to give voice to what's happening in the world instead of ignoring it, because ignoring it is kind of what got us into this mess. And this mess, I mean, what this country is going through right now and with fascists in the White House. And a lot of this has been a long time coming. It's not like something that happened overnight with suddenly people in positions of power are abusing their authority and harming the citizens. A lot of us know this has been happening for centuries. Now we're seeing a more overt uh, demonstration of it. So wanting to give voice to that and also acknowledge that it's happening because pretending that it's not happening doesn't help anybody. Folks were, were saying that during the last administration as well. And it's people would say, oh, well, if it's not so bad comparatively, then it's okay and not worth arguing for. But we've seen a lot of, I should say, and I'm trying to not use the word, but B-U-T that is. I'll use the word B-U-T-T a lot. We've seen a lot of the things that happened in the previous administration, a lot of deportations, mass surveillance, drone bombings, a lot of really terrible, reprehensible behavior. Not really any thing to stop police brutality or mass incarceration, a lot of really problematic behaviors that are still ongoing. And it happened in the previous administration, so it's not like something just happened overnight. This is really bad stuff that's now, they're going even further with it, and it needs to be stopped. Speaking of which, how would you like to help? That's me being a, <laughs> an announcer. There's a group called Refuse Fascism. They, we, we, I'll use the we, organize, go to events and protests. We march, support other organizations that are also doing the work. And there's a lot of marches coming up in April, so I wanted to read a flyer that, or a newsletter. It's from the newsletter, Refuse Fascism newsletter that came out recently, 
with ways that you can help. There's a lot of folks recognizing that things are really bad right now and people want to help and are maybe not sure either what they're capable of, how they can help, what because everyone has different strengths, different energy levels, spoon levels. There's a lot of different ways to help. And then at the same time, people might not be sure what they how they can help. So I'm going to read this. I'm still waking up. I thought I was fully awake and it's taken me a while. So bear with me. Big challenges ahead in April. Time to step up. Join an organizer's task force this week. And this was printed on March 26th by Refuse Fascism. Join an organizer's task force. It has been now just a little over two months of the Trump-Pence regime. We have seen all the damage that they have done in just that short period of time and the fascist course they are moving on. It is time to step up and say ever more powerfully, enough, basta ya. In the name of humanity, we refuse to accept a fascist America, drive out the Trump-Pence regime. Our call to action is being spread very broadly all over the country, making the case for this and popularizing the no everywhere. We are currently in the midst of a campaign to do this, which needs to grow and have more impact to influence the mood and thinking of all those who anguish and those who are acting. Come up very soon, coming up very soon, there are some major events being organized by a whole broad array of forces that promise to bring many hundreds of thousands into the streets and in protest in a concentrated 10-day period. And I'm going to make it an, a change here, more than 10 days starting sooner because there's a march happening on April 15th, which is a tax march. That's happening at Civic Center starting around 2. I saw a flyer earlier today, and I will read the details so folks will know when and where to participate. Tax March. You go to taxmarchsf.org. That's Saturday, April 15th, 2 p.m. rally at Civic Center. 3 p.m. is a March Down Market. Again, you go to taxmarchsf.org for that information. So starting really soon. That's in a couple weeks, April 15th. And that's to, to get 45 to release his, his tax returns. Yeah. Okay, so this is more than a 10-day period. Uh, this will be a 17-day period. So between Saturday, April 15th, and Monday, May 1st. So I announced the one on April 15th. On March, excuse me, on <laughs> April 22nd, there is a March for Science. Scientists and those who support science all over the country. Who doesn't support, I mean, I guess there are people who don't support science. So it's the fact that we even have to talk about it. Who doesn't support science? Hello. Anyway. Scientists and those who support science all over the country have called for a major march in Washington, D.C. on April 22nd, with satellite protests being held in 427 places all over the world, 315 of them in the U.S. Then next is April 29th, the People's Climate March, climate, jobs, and justice with a focus against the policies and actions of Trump-Pence that endanger the environment and the whole of the whole planet, and that's also in D.C. May 1st, May Day, of course. Many organizations, including immigrants' rights organizations, unions, and student groups, have called for protest marches and strikes in cities across the country on the general theme of opposition to the attacks against immigrants. All of these actions are in protest against very dire measures the Trump-Pence regime has taken with grave danger for humanity. Having many thousands, hopefully millions, Taking to the streets in this way in a concentrated period of time has the potential to build a more powerful mass force of opposition to the whole regime, drawing national and international attention to the dangers of this regime and the depth of opposition to it. 
At the same time, many who will be protesting do not yet have the understanding that this is a fascist regime and that it is up to the people in their millions to unite on the single mission of driving them out, of driving them out now. These protests provide an opportunity and a need for refused fascism to bring forward and organize many, many people to march under the banner of refused fascism to influence the people in the protests and those concerned with these issues with the understanding of refused fascism. To accomplish that, it is very important for all those who see the fascist danger of this regime to join with these efforts and strengthen their impact by bringing our message to them manifested in a powerful way. You are needed! Next, Refuse Fascism is calling on everyone to get involved and to make our efforts as effective and powerful as possible. There are millions who are horrified at what Trump Pence represent and are looking for a way to act. We need hundreds to reach out to thousands to impact millions. To that end, we are organizing national task forces to coordinate our efforts and provide ways that will facilitate mass participation. If you are interested in participating in one of the task forces focused on relating to either the Science March, the Climate March, or May 1st Actions, we would like to hear from you right away. We would like to know something about you, including where you are, in what ways you would like to contribute, and if you have particular connections to or knowledge of people or organizations who are already involved, or that should be approached or that should be approached by Refuse Fascism. We need to pull these task forces during the week of March 27th. Then, April 24th is Holocaust Remembrance Day. It has been proposed that Refuse Fascism reach out to others and unite for mass actions on that day that not only remember the horrors of the Hitler regime that destroyed the lives of millions of Jewish people and others, that's not included here, and I will say millions of others, um, but to draw the lessons from that experience, I will say, and to draw the lessons from that experience and make a powerful national manifestation expressing the cry never again in relation to what is being hammered into place with the Trump-Pence regime. This could take many forms of expression, making a clear no in the name of humanity, we refuse to accept a fascist America. We want to pull together an April 24th task force to reach out to progressive Jewish and other religious forces and much more broadly to together put out a call for this kind of mass expression on this day. Anyone who'd like to be part of that task force, fill out the secure form, and they have a link here, telling us something about you, where you're located, and what ways you would like to contribute, and if you have particular connections to or knowledge of people or organizations that should be approached by Refuse Fascism, include the best way to contact you so we don't lose time getting back to you. So they have a link to the form, and if you go to refusefascism.org, and there's also the Refuse Fascism National Office, 917-407-1286. And then they say, and if you have any knowledge or thinking on the struggle in these important arenas and the harm that the Trump-Pence regime is doing and how that will affect the future and the mission of Refuse Fascism, please write us. So again, go to refusefascism.org. Ah, there we go. That's a tall order, and it's also a lot, because I know there's a lot of people upset a lot of people frustrated, afraid, angry. And for folks who have the ability to participate, we need more people. We need a lot more people out on the streets all the time. So please do speak out, join up if you can. If you're unable to, spread the word to a friend. We need a lot more people. There's been some marches and recognizing that not everyone's able to go out on the streets. There are some folks who are, though. So what are you doing? Does your corporate job really need you for those that half an hour when you could be out 
in the streets with people, think about it. Uh, we're also doing some organizing among college campuses, so that's something else to, th to consider if you are in school and you want to try to, not try, <laughs> again, paying a lot of attention to language here. If you would like to do some recruiting on campus, getting the word out to fellow students, teachers, faculty, that's another great way of getting the word out. Wanting to, 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 to share that. Also, SF State, there's a campus-wide event happening, I believe, next Saturday at the Cesar Chavez Student Union, and I believe it's Cesar Chavez's birthday today. So, happy birthday. And there's something else happening, too. Uh, some great quotes that I wanted to share. One is, uh, you have to be willing to sacrifice something or they're going to sacrifice you. So thinking about that, we, you know, what, what are we giving up in order to, to speak up for ourselves and to protect ourselves and to protect our fellow humans? It's, there is that idea of if we don't sacrifice something, they are going to sacrifice us. We're already seeing that with the ICE raids, people being deported. There was a man in Chicago who was shot by an ICE agent. He was not guilty. And the thing is, even if... Uh, you know, even if he wasn't, or even if he was, it's like, why is he even being shot in the first place? But this was someone who was, it was kind of like the mistaken identity and the police fucking shot him. That's happening. People are being deported. And for those of us who don't even believe in borders, it's all imaginary. We're just seeing the increase in police brutality and the police presence. And it's terrorizing. It's terrorizing people in communities and tearing people apart. And it's, it's, it's cruel. It's cruel. It's not helping anyone. It's done under the guise of, oh, security, but it's not. Actually, and it's not. It's actually causing more harm, similar to the bombings. 200 civilians. <sighs> there are attacks that happened, and more people, more civilians are being murdered in the Middle East. And then people wonder, why do, why do people hate the U.S. so much? I wonder why people don't you know are upset and it's look at the military actions that are happening that this country this military country is responsible for so it's uh, So the, the attack happened in uh, Mosul, which is in Iraq, and 200 civilians were murdered. And that's what our military is up to. I don't have anything to add to that, just that this is happening. And we have a fascist regime in the government, and uh, that's it's terrifying. And there's a lot of people taking action in a lot of different ways. And I also feel there needs to be more that has to happen and more people have to speak up. And what do these sacrifices look like? What are we willing to give up in order to stop this regime? So I'm asking, asking people, asking myself, what are we willing to do? We're also seeing that there's some folks who still say, oh, we'll just wait it out. And maybe that's for people who aren't directly affected. However, there are so many people... <laughs> who are the, all the, the laws and the bills, and just the, it's against immigrants, against women, LGBTQ folks, poor folks, elderly, scientists. So uh, uh, people around the world, it's 
soon there's going to be no one left for them to bully. So as I mentioned earlier, there's this idea that, yeah, this, this regime is fascist and people still are reluctant to maybe use that word. And all of their actions, though, are proving just so that they are. And there was a great quote recently. The, the idea is just to convince folks really that the root of this, this tree is fascist and the branches of the tree are the different actions that they're taking, whether it's to, to stop funding for health care, for services for women, for instance, or not including LGBTQ folks in the next census. There's bills being put forward to deny trans youth access to bathrooms and locker rooms. All the deportations, as I mentioned. I won't even mention that shit, that an object that they want to build or tax cuts for the wealthy. I mean, it's, I don't know, understand how anyone could not see that or could agree that what's happening is somehow helpful to anybody. And I understand that a lot of us are really angry and upset. And at the same time, there still needs to be more that's, that needs to be done. And I get that it's exhausting and I get that not everyone has the, the option. It's, Things have always been like this, though. When people in the last few decades, more and more people have are in debt, one has to struggle to stay afloat, so it's difficult to take the time to go out and, and march or protest. There has to be something else. We have to fight back even more. And I'm also I'm not a fan of the Democrats. I feel like they're complicit in a lot of ways. I like Maxine Waters. There's a few folks in the Democratic Party I respect and look up to and have faith in. For the most part, um, I really, I, I don't think it's wise to assume that politicians are going to save the rest of humanity. When we look at history, a lot of them <laughs> have pretty much sold us out. So, and you know what, if they do save us, then that's great. And in the meantime, we still need to fight for ourselves. What's the worst that can happen if we fight for ourselves, if the people fight for ourselves i'm gonna play a clip there is a a holocaust survivor who confronted trump's ice director so i'm gonna play this clip right now and he he says i think what a lot of us are feeling i was hauled off by the nazis and for no other reason, I was picked up and separated from my family, who was exterminated in Auschwitz. And I am a survivor of Auschwitz and Dachau. I spent five and a half years in concentration camp. I spent five and a half years in concentration camp for one season and one reason only. Because we picked on people. And you as the sheriff, who we elected as sheriff of this county, we did not elect you as a sheriff of Washington, D.C. Yeah. It's about time you serve you the people here. And when this gentleman stands up there and he says he doesn't go after any people, he should read today's beat. Because in today's beat, the Supreme Court Justice of the State of California 
objected to ICE coming in and taking people away from the courts. Don't tell me that this is a lie. You stand up here, Mr. Jones, don't forget, history is not on your side.
and welcome back to the weekly review that was star amarasu with the rain off her new album rebecca please do check that out and at the end of the show i will give a a link so folks can purchase the album download it uh star is awesome and an incredible performer so wanting to ah share that with everybody i usually start off the show with a rant which is maybe why i'm so uh uh feeling i don't know edged edgy very uh intense didn't have a chance to really to get through it this morning there are some positive things that are happening too so we'll get to that as well we're very much looking forward to speaking with uh danny castro she'll be calling in shortly so that will be good and just remember that there are a lot of positive things happening in the world and it's it's crucial to talk about the people in positions of power who are causing harm and at the same time to recognize when people are fighting back such as maxine waters and a lot of other folks out there so wanting to give a voice for that as well there is a uh, well i guess i'll <laughs> Um, as far as local news goes, Thrift Town is closing. And Thrift Town, for folks who are not local, is this awesome store in the Mission that's been open for 45 years, and they're closing, which is really sad. Anyway, we have a phone call. Hello. Hi. Hey, thank you so much for calling in. No problem. Great. Um yeah, so we're we're on the air at the moment. So just oh. a heads up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so we're on the phone with Danielle Castro, who's the project director at the Center of Excellence for Transgender Health and the co founder of Taja's Coalition. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, very much looking forward to speaking with you. And yeah. So I mean we met a few years ago and I'm just it's been I feel very fortunate that you're in the community and for all the work that you've done. Well, I'm just doing what I need to do to, you know, stop the violence. Yeah. And um, to survive. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's been an honor to know you, too. I see you everywhere. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like a similar thing where it's just one, if one is able to go out and speak up, then that's what one needs to do. Right. It's, um, it's kind of an intense way to live, but, um, you know, until people stand up with us and push back on transphobia, uh, it's going to be our lives. Um, and many of us hide in the trenches because we're so afraid for our lives. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's something that's difficult to explain to folks who haven't quite experienced it or, or don't know what it's like. True, but I, I also think that there are many people that have experienced adversity in their lives, mm-hmm. although it may not be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a point of connection for us, yes. and I think people really need to look at those um, adversities and uh, take ownership and really stand with us. Um we have so much in common yes. as people, and um, we use so much against ourselves to separate us, and that just needs to stop. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, 
So are you interested in, in talking a little bit about your history or um, about the, the work that you've done or the organizations that, you, that you're with? Sure. Um, where do I start? Yeah, there's a, lot to, there's a lot to talk about. So whichever, wherever you'd like to begin, uh, please feel free. Well, I, you know, I started doing community work when I was 14. Um, it was in the middle of the AIDS crisis. I was in San Jose. Um, my parents had just split because uh, they couldn't make it work since my dad came out as gay and um, he was given a year to live because he was diagnosed with AIDS. Mm -hmm. Um, And my immediate reaction to my father's um, death sentence, basically, and just so you know, he's still around today, Mm -hmm. um, was that I wanted to save his life. Yes. And I didn't know how to do that, so I kind of just did everything I could to be his his um, supporter. So I would cook meals, clean the house, and while I was doing that, I would use my watercolors and acrylic paint and paint my face like I was wearing makeup. Mm-hmm. And he saw me doing that, so he invited a couple of his um, travesti friends. Travestis are like um, trans women, trans Latinas mm-hmm. that do shows for a living, among other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they gave me a makeover, and um, over a span of a few weeks, I learned about the struggle and how to promote wellness. Yes. And I learned about how to work in HIV prevention by doing fundraisers. So I just I've always been very driven and I was watching people around me die Mm. from complications from HIV. Mm -hmm. So I did everything in my power at that age to raise money and um, do HIV prevention among queer community. Yes. And um, it was rough goings because... um, I was struggling to survive myself, and um, I had very little support from communities since I was kind of the new kid on the block. Mm -hmm. There were those that took me under their wing and, um, like, snuck me into the bars, uh, always pulled me into events, and promoted me. Um, But, you know, that's, that's how I got started, was really just trying to save my dad's life. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I feel that seems to be a a theme with folks who have people in their lives who are are going through something, and that's what inspires people to to act up and to speak out and to get involved. And for people who who don't know anyone who's going through it, there seems to be maybe either a lack of understanding or a lack of understanding the urgency of needing to get involved. Yeah. You know, being a part of that era when people around me were just, um, dying continually, um, because of this pandemic AIDS, 
and the lack of health care, um, an effective response to the condition. Um, it was like I was so eager and, and frightened and just wanted to help yes. to yes. stop the, you know, the eradication of so many of my loved ones. And it felt like something, I was up against something bigger than myself and that there were very few people standing up to really change things and advocate for healthcare. Yes. And there was a sense of urgency. Yes. And I feel like many these days have forgotten or didn't know or experienced that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the urgency is different. Yes. Although we're being like um, there's a genocide happening. Yes. We're being targeted and killed as primarily trans women of color and black trans women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the urgency is only within, for the most part, our community, our gender diverse community. Yes. Um, but outside of that, there are so many against us that are within the queer community, mm-hmm. the LGB community. Oh, and yeah. It's like I was watching When We Rise and the the series that came out, although it was very, um, you know, white-centric. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, it was also really, it reminded me of how we fought together. Mm-hmm. We had to come together to survive. Yes. And that has to happen now. Yes. Um, And, you know, I stay up, I have insomnia, and I think a lot of it is because I feel this sense of desperation and drive to come up with ways to pull us together. And, you know, it's going to take decision-making on the side of other queer community. Yes. And not just decision-making, but taking action. Yes. Um, so, you know, if, if you're listening and you identify as non-trans, I, I encourage you to talk to us, to join us, and yes. because um, we're, we're being erased and our lives are completely devalued. Yeah. Yes. And I think something else too is the lack of history being taught. And that of course is, is very broad in terms of the, the people whose, whose stories are actually told. And then when we look at the folks who were lost within the eighties, for instance, and that's just, you know, for as a portion of the, the queer community there, the folks coming up now don't have a sense of the history of what folks have struggled through or the fact that cross-dressing, for instance, that term, I know the term is problematic, but for instance, that that was a arrestable offense decades ago. And I think some of the, the younger folks don't aren't aware of what people have, have fought for. Yeah, and the people that are with us are really the most marginalized because we're fighting to survive. Yes. And I see this, this divide between the the celebrity trans movement. <laughs> um, and I say that like trans celebrities mm-hmm. have 
so much access and visibility and so many of us don't yes and um to me if you have a platform if you have that visibility it's so important that you invite people that are most marginalized to the forefront to have that visibility and you know i love the fact that for example um Laverne Cox has uh, really, like produced and created this film about an incredible woman that was fighting to survive. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she hurt somebody in self-defense. Yes. Because he was about to kill her. Oh, for yeah, for Cece. Yeah. Cece McDonald, yes. you know? Yes. And to have the balls to stand up to that ignorance and violence no pun intended you know it's like we're fighting for our lives and Laverne took it upon herself to really highlight Cece's life Mm -hmm. her experience yes and you know I hope she continues to do that and it wasn't in a way where she was exploiting somebody it was in a way that she was lifting someone up yes yes um and I don't see that happening across the board with the celebrity trans movement. And I have the utmost of respect and admiration for people in the limelight. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I do have some anger, obviously, but... <laughs> Righteous anger. Yeah, and um, I think the general population, society becomes complacent because they see like, oh, well, there's visibility. Yep. Obviously, there's change. Yeah. But that's not the case. Yes, yes. It's, it's uh, actually putting us in more danger. Yeah, it's, it's similar to when folks, when the same-sex marriage was legalized and everyone assumed that suddenly everything was okay, everything was fixed, and there was no more homophobia. Uh, <laughs> or some, similar to having a, a black president and people saying that somehow racism was over. Like, it's just, it's so mind-boggling that people can use these 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 scenarios to dismiss all of the other claims and so much of what people have been going through to some that, that, the, that these experiences somehow dismiss everything else that people are talking about yeah <sighs> yeah it's and it's difficult to uh, you mentioned anger and that's something i definitely um identify with a lot there's a lot to be angry about and i get suspicious of people who aren't angry personally um i don't know how one can be can live in this world and not be angry at just how the the systems that are in place and how people are not able to feel safe just walking out the door that how it's it's difficult to it's difficult to function knowing that this is the the world that we live in at the moment and is yeah did i lose you oh no no uh i'm, I'm here okay. i'm just uh sometimes yeah it's <laughs> just wanting to take a, a take a moment and right. yeah anger is something i feel i mean i feel a lot of anger pretty much every day and recently i was a script supervisor for a play and the protagonist was a trans man and my main note was just to make him more angry oh. <laughs> and you know the writer was very 
you know, open to ideas, which was wonderful. And at the same time, it's just, I feel so much anger. And then also recognizing even as a, even though I identify as trans, still walking through the world as someone on the masculine end of, viewed on the masculine end of the spectrum, viewed as like on the white end of the spectrum, walking through the world and having, you know, these privileges and this idea of safety, it's, and so much has to change. And there, there's just so much, I, I don't even have the language for it, to be honest. I just have like a lot of anger in me. And the the most I want to do is to try to, not try, is to, wake people up to it's yeah I don't I sometimes have more questions than answers yeah yeah like I said I stay up at night thinking about this but I also um, anger has been a a big driving force um, for you know uh, advocacy and and activism and to push back against the, this normative world we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, I wouldn't be able to do any of that if I didn't have love for myself mm-hmm. and our community mm-hmm. um, and for people in general. I think that um, without love, that anger is, self-destruct like not self-destructive we internalize it yes and become self-destructive yeah and yeah to transcend it i had to find so much love and understanding for myself but also for people that i see as quote unquote ignorant Mm -hmm. and people that i think hate me and are against me Mm -hmm. if i don't have hope and love and understanding I don't have anything. And I think that's the part that keeps me going and helps me to sustain and remain in the movement. Yes. Because it's, it's so taxing. Yes. And, um, I, you know, I don't know how to really articulate how important that is and the exact process that I've gone through to, transform that rage yes into love yes 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 I, f- I feel there's a lot that's internalized it's hard not to uh, even if one is ra- raised in a family that is accepting there's still the messages from the media and from society that tells us not to accept ourselves and so what does one do with these messages that seem to be non-stop how does one one silence those You know, talking about family, I was um, raised in a Jehovah's Witness family. Oh. I was born into it. Okay. Um, and I was taught to be ignorant. Mm. I was taught to um, reject difference and to actually hate um, queer people and... Uh, rejoice in the fact that there was a a disease that was killing gay people. Oh, literally. Wow. I was raised in that ignorance and, you know, I just, it really boggles me that, uh, you know, someone that can be brainwashed 
literally, to have that amount of hatred. Um, and that, you know, with a lot of deep work and um, a shift in perspective, mm-hmm. I was able to change. Mm. And how so many people out there are so unwilling to budge. Mm-hmm. And it's really a choice. It really is. Yes. And, um, you know, a lot of that internalized messaging that I got uh, made me self-destructive. And um, I don't think I could have survived had I not worked to change my mind and open my heart. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's definitely uh, yeah. That's that's a lot, and I think that it's what a lot of folks go through. This these messages that we're we somehow have to overcome. I guess the the brainwashing or these yeah these messages that we're not okay, or there are parts of ourselves that are not okay, which I feel is very how yeah. How does one work through that? Ugh. Right. Ugh. Wow. So perhaps we can uh, make a a shift here. And um, so what are some other either actions or, or things to do that you feel like uplifts you or gives you some, uh, some pleasure or kind of can take you outside of the, 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 the daily stress? Um. Are we talking self-care? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a much better word. I'm feeling a little bit. I'm having difficulty with my uh, vocabulary today. So yeah, self-care. Oh no, that's okay. Yeah. I, I was just asking. Mm-hmm. You know, I struggle with that. I I see self-care used so much as an oppressor. Um, like people will say, don't get involved in that because you really do too much and you need to practice self care. Mm-hmm. But self care to me includes the hard work yeah. of rolling up my sleeves and um, resisting ignorance and transphobia. Yes. That's a part of my self care. Um, I also look to my community for love and support. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where we understand each other so deeply um, and there's this beautiful web of love and support that we have access to as trans people there are so many of us that support one another and um, it's just it's a, a beautiful experience yes I also um, I have a therapist <laughs> mm-hmm. I love my therapist. I have a psychiatrist I work with. Um, A lot of incredible people that engage in really emotional conversations Mm -hmm. uh, with me, and we support one another. And, um, you know, I I have a, a 
service animal and he's everything to me like the unconditional love that I get from him makes me so strong yeah um and you know I sometimes I need to take time out and just smoke a bowl and disconnect yeah sure (laughs) and veg out and watch um you know, whatever's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it's just real, you know, I, I have to do that. Yeah. Um, so there's so many ways that I practice self-care. And, you know, like today I'm going to uh, Transgender Day of Visibilities at San Francisco event. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, I'm going because uh, Arya Saeed is getting recognized for all of her work. Um, Quinn Park is getting recognized, and it's a room full of people that I I love and admire and appreciate. And you know, I I wouldn't be able to be here, like I said before, without that love and support. So, self care is a reciprocal thing. Mm-hmm. We give it and we take it, and um, that's how it's gotta be. Yes. <sighs> yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it is also nice to have these occasions to see one another. And I feel sometimes in the community, one sees each other at events, either memorials or <sighs> events that are not quite ideal. So it's it's really crucial that we have these times to to connect with one another and to celebrate one another while we're here. Right. Yeah. I can't um I can't express how challenge how hard how fucked up it is that um we're losing so many people. You know, there's there's not been a time where I am not grieving the loss of our community. And uh, that's really hard. So, you know, I I work at UCSF. It's a, I'm directing community-based research and um, I'm, I'm looking at how ongoing stress impacts us and I'm trying to come up with with, uh, research ideas to um, resolve that or to at least help us because we're we're experiencing not only post-traumatic stress but ongoing stress and it's it's a real thing and we live in the sense of urgency and constant crisis and that really impacts our health our our well-being our lives and so i'm really looking at at different ways that we can um kind of uh i'm at a loss for words for some reason intervene Mm -hmm. and come up with some solutions yes whether they're long or short term yes um but we're so fucking resilient. I, yeah. You know, like, 
um, we're doing it. We're, we're really strong. Um, so a lot of ways it's just, it's, I mean, a lot of times it's just looking at what does that really mean and how do we articulate that in a way that people can understand so that they can use the same tools that those of us that really have been resilient and are still going um, can support those of us that don't have that. What is it that that's different? How can we support one another um, in a way that's evident? You know, it's evidence-based. Yes. So, <sighs> you know, such an an honor to be able to work in that capacity and um, think about ways to engage in community-based research that um, doesn't exploit us and mm -hmm. is by us and for us and creates long-term change. Yeah. And it, it's so important to be part of the conversation too, instead of cis folks telling us what to do and doing studies on us. It's, it's so crucial that we have a say in, in what's being done. Yeah, and the ethics of, of community-based research, you know, there are so many paradigms and uh, principles, ideas that are dated, you know, they're... Yeah. They don't suit trans communities. So being up against this academic um, institution and these archaic ideas of how to include ethics in community-based research um, that are developed by heterosexual and non-trans people, it's so challenging. And, you know, it's like, we're trying to work within that, that old paradigm and it's not going to work. We need to open up our, our, our minds and come up with new ethics, not really new ethics, but um, ethics that, that align with the needs of trans people because we have specific needs and there are ways to get to those outcomes um, with research on our side, um, yet research has done so much damage to us. And it's because we're, we're not engaged in those discussions um, as academics and as researchers mm -hmm. to change those systems. And we're so oppressed and we've internalized that oppression and yep. lost the capacity to push back yes. and say, these ethics, and policies don't work for me. Yes. And they're not going to work for my community. So yes. fuck you. Yep. Yep. I'm coming up with, with ethics and ideas that matter, that, that are really going to make a difference for us. And, you know, I, I encourage our cis, quote unquote, ally researchers to um, actually lift our voices and integrate our ideas and push back against the um, internal review boards and systems that say you can't help your community because you're engaged in research with your community. Hmm. It's so fr 
frustrating and hurtful when, you know, we're doing research and we're told you can't go that extra step to help your sister. And, you know, we're, we're being murdered. We're, we're dying from complications from HIV in an era where that should be eradicated. Yes. Yes. Um, we're being told, no, you need to, to develop professional boundaries, ethical boundaries that align with our academic institution. You know, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> so would you be able to talk more about um, the work at, at UCSF? Yeah, so... Um, I've been with the Center of Excellence for Transgender Health um, in some capacity, from community advisory board to staff since its inception. And, um, you know, our founder, Joanne Keatley, worked really hard to respond to the um, barriers and oppressions we face as trans people. Mm-hmm. and. Um, the center was started as a way to um, prevent HIV and also, uh, I mean, among trans people and also to um, come up with ways to increase access to ongoing health care for trans people living with HIV. And it was funded originally by the State Office of AIDS and we were the center of excellence for HIV prevention, and um, when Arnold Schwarzenegger was the um, head honcho in the state of California, yeah, he made some horrendous budget cuts. Uh, so mm. the COE lost state funding, um, and at that point, we were encouraged to apply for national funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, so we worked really hard to come up with this huge application and this, God, like this strenuous process to um, get through to the other side, to be awarded funds, but that enabled us to become the, a national organization and um we became the center of excellence for transgender health. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were funded to do um, capacity building assistance and technical assistance for um, community mobilization and um, community-based organizations to uh, better serve trans people and increase access to health care and um health policy creation. So I've been engaged in that work um, going on 10 years. Wow. And, um, you know, I went from volunteer to project director, and it's been a labor of love, and it's been so challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love challenges, so I'm up for it. Yes, yes. Um, but sorry, I'm losing my breath. <laughs> oh. Um, so 
So right now we have um, different projects with uh, um, under the umbrella of the COE. We still have capacity building assistance funded by the Centers for Disease Control. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have um, community-based research that's largely funded by um, the NIH, mm-hmm. National Institute of Health. Um, in that research, we're developing interventions to um, prevent HIV among trans people yes. and I- increase um, I'm losing my mind right now, uh, to increase engagement in care uh, for trans women living with HIV. We're also uh, working inside San Francisco jail Mm. and developing a reentry intervention um, for trans women coming out of the the jail. Mm. Um, Mm. We're doing research focus groups actually to um, show that we don't need specific services for trans people outside of the context of healthcare, you know, for like specialized care. Yes, yes. Um, it's a project called We Are All Women mm-hmm. and we're doing focus groups with trans and cisgender women cis meaning non, non-trans yeah. women to find out what it would be like to have um, HIV care services for trans women in women's health clinics mm. um, because we've been so we've been miscategorized as uh, a behavioral category by the CDC mm. men who have sex with men uh, which is unacceptable yeah but, uh, so we're uh, looking to change that Ugh. And, you know, um, these big systems are in place that are supposed to help us mm-hmm. and provide HIV care, HIV prevention services, yet they have no trans-specific interventions, mm. although they have over 50 interventions for uh, men who have sex with men. Mm. And it's estimated that one in four of us trans women of color are living with HIV mm. in the United States. So it's unacceptable that, you know, these these large government health organizations don't have effective solutions yeah. to stop the, the um, impact that HIV has on us. Yeah. So we're working to fill that gap. Yeah. It... It's, it seems there's always this, it's like the people who are the ones who speak up for, for one's community and make the changes. It's, it's never, it never comes from the top. It's always the people, then the communities and grassroots organizations that actually make the changes that people need. Yeah, and um, a lot of people get really frustrated because we don't have um, immediate results. Yeah. And this movement has been happening for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And change, you know, at times can be sudden. And sustainable change takes time. Yes. And there's so much frustration that I feel as well. 
being inside the system and pushing against these barriers. Yes. Um, and people outside of these systems uh, have a perception that we're not working hard enough or um, changes aren't happening fast enough. Mm. And, you know, I have the frust- that frustration that changes aren't happening fast enough, but we're working so hard yeah. to change these things. And, um, you know, the resentment is understandable when you don't exist in that in this world yes. of government and academia. Yes, yes. Um, it makes sense that community would be so angry outside of these systems. And, you know, I am too. And um, I just, I think it's important for us to know as trans people in and outside of these systems that we're working really hard day and night 24-7 to change things. It's the systems that keep us oppressed. Yep. Yeah. Not necessarily us. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's so much judgment that goes around. And it makes sense because we're so frustrated mm-hmm. and angry and we're being killed. Um, but, you know, it's a big deal that we have a Center of Excellence for Transgender Health that we have a transgender law center. Um, it's a really big deal. And, um, you know, we're, we also have a health care clinic um, through Mount Zion Women's Health Services at UCSF. Mm. Um, we also have um, nine demonstration sites throughout the country that have been providing health care services for trans people. It's the largest healthcare grant that's happened historically mm. um, funded by HRSA um, and um, we're the technical assistance and evaluation center for those nine demonstration sites. Um, it's a big deal that we have the Center of Excellence and have all of these services that are working hard to change systems. Yes. And some of those services are direct services for community. Yes. Um, And we're only a handful of people within the Center of Excellence that are working really hard to expand those services and make them more accessible for more trans people and gender diverse people. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I talk about my work at the COE, it's like, you know, this is my life. Mm Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm really glad you've you've mentioned that and it is it's cuz I f- I feel from my own experience I get frustrated easily and then to step back and then to recognize what what is available right now compared to a decade ago and to feel really grateful for that and to feel grateful for everyone who has who's been putting in so much work to to give us more uh, space and more opportunity to get the the healthcare that we need. It's it's yeah, it is really crucial just to recognize the the positive sides as well. So thank you very much for for bringing that up. Definitely. <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting on on the show. I mean, I I talk about different issues every week, and you know, depending on who who comes in and who you know what we speak about. 
and having it be an issue. Like I consider myself to be an empathic person and then recognizing there's so much that's happening right now with this fascistic government and laws and bills and so many groups are being targeted. And then there's a, there's a feeling when it's a, a group that maybe one identifies with. And sometimes for me anyway, it just feels harder to fight in a way because it, it hits close to home. And of course I want to be able to fight for everyone. Like everyone deserves a, a right to be safe. And then when it comes to transphobia, there is this, uh, it's an intensity maybe that makes it difficult to, to speak up as much as it, I would for um, perhaps like another, another group or another situation that's happening, for instance, that's not going to affect me directly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just saying that out loud and uh, wanting to, I guess, come to, to terms with that, where there's this idea of having the energy to want to advocate for oneself. And sometimes that can be really tricky. Yeah, I, it's so hard for me to um, to really take owner, ownership of self-advocacy, although I do it a lot. You know, so many of us have so much labor on our shoulders already mm-hmm. um, that it's oftentimes exhausting to advocate for ourselves. Yes, yeah. <laughs> So I, I need to call upon my my chosen family to help me. Yes. Because it's so real that sometimes I'm just so drained. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I I, I went into this and uh, very excited. And I still am, and at the same time feeling, I just feel a lot of, I guess, I think sadness, to be honest, and, and frustration, and that, the, the, that you know, we're talking about basic survival and basic respect, and that this is, that this is where we're at still. And I, th- I think, I mean, I can only speak for myself, it's just something that I, I carry with me every day, and I don't necessarily it's difficult to, to talk about sometimes or to explain to people. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. And, um, I'm sorry, my train of thought is drifting for some reason. Um, I guess it's hard to talk about these things. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And there is incredible sadness. Um, and there is, a lot of rage and you know it's 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 hard to look at what can I do about this and is it really making a difference mm. you know yeah. um, but the truth is that it is yes like your perspective your voice is so important and you're so powerful you know, and um, we are making changes. Mm-hmm. We definitely are. Um, and it takes time. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't mean to to steer the conversation in a this way. This is just what was has been on my mind, and it's yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I find yeah, it's difficult to even find the the language to the the language for it and to address one's frustration. I was on a, a panel this weekend about ge- gender identity and, and trans issues, and people asked questions and for the most part, they're very respectful and we had a good discussion. And then one person in the audience submitted a question that was asking about, well, what do you feel, shouldn't we also hear about what cis white men have to say? And I got really angry and I pretty much shut him down and was like, I don't really care what you have to say. Like, honestly, like, why are you trying to center this conversation around your feelings right now? And then after the the panel discussion, this person came up to me and started to get in my space and wanted to talk to me more and it was very much and it was extremely triggering and frustrating and it was it feels very representative of this idea of even in situations where trans folks are given a place to speak about our experience even then it seems to be co-opted or cis folks or non-trans folks want to sometimes recenter the conversation and make it about them and that seems to be such an everyday occurrence where living in a world where we're taught uh, just that our our voices don't that we that our voices don't matter that it's not really about us and what we feel and what we think and how that is trying to thinking out loud right now recategorize one's experience so yeah I'm uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to express it's it feels like it's a, it's an everyday thing a lot of the time to make one's voice heard yeah it's like people are fighting for the spotlight mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and it's not a visibility contest mm-hmm. you know yeah we're we're fighting for our lives yeah 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 I often do wonder what cis people are thinking. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say more. And I, I, I wonder, like, do people really hear me? Mm-hmm. Are they are they listening to us? Mm. Are we hearing one another? Because there's so much anger from uh, the cis side of you know the the train tracks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, how dare you tell me that my struggle is? not as bad as yours. Yeah. All this like strange rhetoric, like, okay, gay white man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just because, uh, you have more rights now than I do. doesn't make you any better than me. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have rights now means that you now need to stand up and fight for our rights. Yes. Because we did that for you. Yep. We've been doing that for you. Yes. Um, and, uh, it gets, it's really angry making when uh, people use their privilege in ways that oppresses us, mm-hmm. especially when, um, you know, these people are meant to be or have been categorized as part of our community. Yes. You know? Yeah. And it's like, you have power, you have voice, fucking use it to help us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. It's really irritating. Yeah. And I, I, I do wonder what cis people are thinking. Like, are you thinking that I'm trying to take your power away? Mm. 
what what is really going on mm-hmm. and how do we have this conversation yes so that we don't have to keep dividing like that right and i also wonder if it's just it's discomfort which happens when people are challenged or people recognize or are forced to recognize that that they have certain privileges and then recognizing how complicit they are in that and maintaining that privilege Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't blame people for wanting to maintain their privilege. Yeah. They fought for it. They got it, et cetera. We got it. Like, I'm fighting for our privilege to have Taj's coalition. Yes. And I see this privilege, you know. Yes. And, like, although it's throwing breadcrumbs at, you know, a community that's already really oppressed and marginalized. Mm-hmm. It's still like an opportunity. Yes. Um, I I can't stand it when people don't really recognize it mm-hmm. and do something about it and use it for the right reason mm-hmm. and use it to empower people. Um, it, it really pisses me off. Yes. Like, you know, you're marching with corporate America mm. and Pride Festival mm-hmm. um, with their human rights rights campaign. You're <sighs> part of these movies, etc. Yeah, yeah. And we're being fucking killed. Yes. Come on now. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's going back to this like lack of understanding of history. Looking at Compton's Cafeteria or Stonewall, and who who were the ones? Who were the people who were fighting against the cops? Who were the ones who made it so that we now have, you know, Pride these days? It's because of trans women of color, folks who, who fought back against the police that now people can get married. And in, instead it seems to be just this, a, like a lack of awareness of how things actually happened and who has been sacrificing and who has been putting their bodies on the line. Literally putting our bodies on the line. Yeah. yeah. Literally. Yeah. It's a, uh, encouraging to know that so many of us are so resilient and powerful and strong and um every time i meet a person that is engaged in the work with us and looking to empower us i feel so good Mm -hmm. you know yes and i wish more people would would do that yeah so, so speaking of which, how are ways that folks could, could help uh, Tasha's Coalition? What are ways that people can get involved? Oh, Tasha's Coalition. So um, Trans Advocates for Justice and Accountability. Mm-hmm. It's an acronym. Um, and it was started in 2015 by um, so many of us that were enraged and, and so sad and, and just horrified that Taja Gabriel de Jesus was stabbed to death in our own backyard in, in the Bayview. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 70, 72 hours, we mobilized this response and had a die-in in front of City Hall. Mm-hmm. And hundreds of us showed up. And I wish it were thousands. I wish yes. it were millions of people. Um, but, you know, the, the city of San Francisco and uh, the mayor's office awarded us with $200,000 over two years, so 100 each year. Mm-hmm. And the first year was such 
struggle for us. Mm. Um, and we worked so hard to get it together. And there's so much judgment from the funding side and community huh. that, you know, what's Taj's Coalition doing? Well, we're fucking struggling to survive and fucking struggling to make this work. Yes. In a, in a community that is so marginalized and torn apart. Yes. You know? Yes, yes. Um, and we're finally getting it together and doing incredible work. Um, it's the second year, and there's a sense of urgency for us to do everything now. Mm-hmm. If we want to create sustainable change, we're going to have to do the work and do it right mm-hmm. and do it together. And um, we meet the fourth Monday of every month from 6 to 8. Uh, we have a, a Facebook page and a website, tajascoalition.org. And um, we invite you to come and participate in our work groups. We are looking to um, create a media campaign to stop the violence against trans people. Um, it's a really beautiful process. We're going to have an art contest. Um select the winner, use the image in the media campaign, and um, it's going to be all over the city. Mm, Buses, uh, social media, movies, you know, theaters. Excellent. um, Billboards and TV. Uh, We're also working on, uh, there's a National Transgender Health Summit that happens every two years that's put on by the COE. And, you know, community hasn't been really meaningfully engaged and um, it just goes to show how deeply entrenched these barriers are for trans people to access academia mm-hmm. um, and so I'm working really hard and the COE is working really hard with Taj's coalition to create a community mobilization and leadership track uh, for trans people to uh, be a part of within the National Transgender House summit it's the first time that's happening um and the work group is through Tasha's coalition um we're also putting together uh, a brunch for elders that have been doing this work and have had little to no recognition yeah for engaging in work for decades yes um and um they're they're just all these incredible work groups that we have and I invite people to join us and to organize with us and to um, stand against and stop the genocide of trans women of color. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. And yeah. Oh, And you know, as Grandma Major would say, I'm still fucking here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's so, it's um, being able to see, for instance, the the film, the documentary Major, when that was released a few months ago and, and seeing Miss Major in person and recognizing the people who have been fighting for so long, it does feel reassuring and a lot less helpless to know that there are people who have been fighting for so long who are still here. Yep, definitely. Gives me hope. Yes. For sure. Yes, yes. Oh, oof. Whew. 
<laughs> well, it's been very, yeah, usually that's, yeah, oh, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, are there anything, is there anything else you'd like to, to share while we're on the air? I just, you know, I love my community and I, I want us to come together as a queer community and um, be united, mobilize, and work together to stop all of this violence. Um, and it's not going to change quickly until we come together. Yes. Um, and love each other and hold each other up. Amen. It's like a broken record, but... Oh, it's true. It's true, though. It's, it's a fact. Yes, yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for calling in. And there's, oh, I just want to give you a big hug. I always want to give you a big hug and even more so now. So um, tonight, um, perhaps that can happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- thank you again so much. This has been a lot of food for thought and really appreciate everything that you've said and the work that you've done. And yeah, it's, you inspire me. So, and I always learn so much when we, when we talk to each other. So thank you. Of course. Um, it's taken a while to get me on the show and I, I appreciate your diligence and patience and I love you, honey. And anything oh. I can do. Oh, I love you too. Here. Oh, thank you. Oh, okay. See you tonight. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you so much to Danielle Castro for calling in. Uh, if you'd like more information about uh, Taja's Coalition, you can go to tajascoalition.org, and that's T-A-J-A-S-C-O-A-L-I-T-I-O-N.org. And there is the Transgender Day of Visibility happening tonight at Soma Arts starting around 5.30, and that's here in San Francisco. We'll have some more information. We'll be taking a bit of a music break. There's a lot. Uh, this has been, there's a lot, and I feel on the show pretty regularly, um, feels overwhelming and feels like a lot. And to give voice to what's happening and what people are going through is really crucial. And uh, so again, Danielle, thank you so much for calling in and we'll take a bit of a music break and we'll, we'll be back in a little bit.
waiting for my wings and I've been searching for my a time of innocence There never was a time before The morning, the springtime There never was a time of hopelessness If ever was a time we cared A miracle, a man, a puzzle, a dare Two boys laughing and a dog Two half looking for God And he came down like a child From his dream of you And I came down like a child
so strange and rare You look at me the same Tired and beaten At our own game We're so much the same That simple moment had arrived You held my hand and said Don't worry We tried And it's your turn to die tonight And it's your time Welcome back to the Weekly Review. Oh, some music there. And And that last song was by Storm Miguel Flores, who is also one of the producers of Major, which is the documentary about Miss Major that came out earlier. It was last year. The, the year has changed now. Or in 2017. 
So that was uh, Stormy Gale Flores. And the name of that song was called The Clock Tower. Ugh. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot. feeling a lot. And I do feel a lot uh, most of the time. And then especially on the show when one gives voice to the things that are happening. I think a lot of times we are forced to, not forced to, it's recommended that we wear masks, that we don't talk about what's actually happening. That's why this country is going through what it's going through right now is that people did not speak up uh, against white supremacy. People did not speak up against misogyny, against homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia. And that's why we're, what's happening is happening right now. It, it's not something that just came about. People have felt the the urge now that there's someone in the White House who, we got Steve Bannon, who is a fucking Nazi, who is putting forward a lot of this propaganda, a lot of this misinformation and this hatred, and people are feeling now that they are entitled to commit more hate crimes, to speak out more. And that's happening across the country. And if these things had been addressed from the very beginning, then we wouldn't be here right now. <sighs> I am grateful for everyone out there doing a lot of good work, for speaking up, for being yourself, for being authentic, for allowing oneself to be vulnerable. And recognizing that there are a lot of changes being made and there's a lot of ways to make those changes, whether working inside the system, outside the system, just being yourself makes, will make a difference. So grateful for everyone who is doing that and wanting to put that out there. I've learned a lot during the show. It's been almost three and a half years now. And every week when I, I speak to someone, a community organizer, an activist, an artist, even folks I've met before, um, I always learn so much more. And imagine if these were the kind of conversations that a lot of us could have on a regular basis, really being able to inform one another and teach one another. And what kind of world this would this would be, what kind of country this could be. So perhaps that is something to aspire to, to actually talk about what's really happening. Oh. So you're listening to Mutiny Radio here in the Mission District. There, usually at 2 p.m. there is Women's Magazine with Global Val, and uh, Val will, will not be uh, doing, doing a live show this week, but she will be here for the Common Thread Collective at 3 p.m., so stay tuned. We'll be playing a, an older episode from this past month of Women's Magazine, so do stay tuned. Mutiny Radio, there's a lot of shows here seven days a week. We also have space for rent. So if you'd like to put on a show here and you get to live broadcast it, you can perform live, you get the MP3 saved. There's a lot of cool ways to play music, CD players, record players. We don't have a cassette tape, cassette deck here, but I shouldn't say but. Maybe one day we will if someone would like to donate a cassette deck. There's a lot of great things here. My energy has been a little bit... Uh, up and down today, I have to say. Sometimes that happens, even when one comes in and is very excited about the show. There is that. I've just been really pushing lately and pushing forward a lot. And then sometimes one doesn't have as much energy as one thinks that they will. So there's some other stuff I'll, I'll speak about perhaps next week. Uh, I do like to focus mostly on news here and not too much personal 
things that are happening. And then during the conversation, I did mention the the panel I was on this past Sunday, and there's a a play that uh, it's happening in Redwood City, and there's I think one or two more weekends of it, so I can do a plug for that. And that's uh, Kinius and Poseidon. I think I'm pronouncing it right. The character has two different names. And so I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. And that's down at Dragon Theater in Redwood City. It's a really incredible production. Um, the actors and the the writer and the folks who put it together are really great. And it's uh, a play that has a, a trans male protagonist. So I saw it last week, and though I'd been familiar with the script and had been there for a read-through to see it performed was really... It brought up a lot. I didn't realize how triggering it would be. And of course, it, triggering isn't necessarily always a, a negative thing. It just also brings up a lot. And I was thinking a lot about... Now, here's my rant. Here it comes. Usually, I start off the show with a rant, and now we're going to end the show with a rant. So here we go. What does it mean to see a character that one can identify with in terms of visibility? And as a transmasculine person, there aren't really that many characters out there. Growing up, there weren't that many. And the ones that we see were maybe left a little bit to be desired. And that's me putting it very nicely. So what does it mean to, to see some... What does it mean to... to, to see yourself, even though it's not yourself, and how often we see cisgender, heterosexual people, a lot of white people, portrayed in film, TV, plays, books... Um, what does it mean to actually see yourself or to see your experiences? Uh, it, 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 there's a sense of validation when it when they are portrayed with dignity and with vulnerability and empathy and uh, being three-dimensional. It means a lot. And it also really brought up a lot. I wasn't Maybe it was because I knew what to expect in a way. It really shook me quite a bit and that's something I think for for trans folks and of course I can only speak for myself this idea of what does it mean to actually see yourself portrayed and there's a sense of again a sense of validation and a lot of us don't see that in in our in our daily lives even in walking around even in living in the bay area this which is thought of to be this liberal mecca in a blue state in a country that says it's super democratic <laughs> Uh, and recognizing, yes, there are some benefits from living here. Absolutely, I'm not trying to dismiss that. At the same time, recognizing that doesn't mean that there's no transphobia here. And also going to places where there's gendered bathrooms, for instance. And I've seen, thankfully, people are adding signs which say what's in the bathroom, whether it be a urinal or a toilet, things like that. There are these reminders that somehow are... We need to divide into two groups, which doesn't make any sense considering there are billions of people in the world that says nothing about intersex people. It says nothing about gender fluidity, fluidity, and it further serves as us versus them. And then one can talk about wars and this idea of good versus bad and this idea of separation between people. And, you know, if it's going to be a separation of between people, maybe it should be fascists and, and anti-fascists. Maybe that's, that's, that's one thing I can get behind where if you have to choose a side... Uh, so just thinking about that, uh, and also just time for, for silence during the conversation, there were a couple moments when 
there are sometimes just not not a lot to say so that's okay and granted this is the radio so I recognize one doesn't want to have quote unquote dead air but what if there was more silence what if people who spoke a lot took a break sometimes and that's I think a lot of people in the White House they should just not speak because what they're saying is really problematic and hateful and then I think a lot about also the, the VP and how he's like afraid of women, doesn't spend time with women. That was released recently. And we already knew he was homophobic and misogynist, but that's something new. We have a phone call. So. Hello. Hi, Roman. This is Kangs with hey. Casey. Hey. Uh, Hello. Calling in. Thanks for calling in. Uh, you are on the air. We are on the air. <laughs> yes. Hey. Yes. Um, yeah, so shall I, uh, I'm driving. Okay. Uh, but I'm not holding a cell phone. Okay. And fully oh, focused on the road. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's doing. Yeah. And uh, we are holding a workshop tomorrow. Shall we tell you about it? Please do. Yeah. So our workshop is on de-escalation and grounding skills. Mm-hmm. It's at 1 o'clock, 1 to 4 at the Omni Commons in Oakland, California. Great. Yep, the address is 4799 Shattuck Avenue, and um, we'll be going over some really awesome de-escalation and grounding skills. We assent- the essence of this uh, workshop is essentially for, um, uh, in terms of de-escalation, we hope to um, eliminate the impulse to call the police. Yes. Very impressive force. Yes. Um, in order to- and for us to further engage into our communities when uh, they're escalated situations so that we can um, enter and make sure that people walk away safely um, with as minimal trauma as possible um, and so that we can um, also, uh, yes, um, hold hold everyone (laughs) in our communities with compassion and understanding and support people to work through stuff without violence and... um, yeah, so we're going to uh, talk a little bit about nonviolent communication as a skill to learn to do that. Um, we're also, we have a third co-facilitator who is not here in the car right now, whose name is Ashley Asatu, who is a, an amazing human being and yoga teacher, and Ashley is going to talk about self-care, um, and we're also going to talk about trauma and how trauma affects uh affects everyone. Wow. Um, our brain, the way that we function in a day-to-day life, um, and also how to cope with that trauma through uh, grounding skills and being able to um, ground ourselves, uh, which essentially means uh, distract ourselves from emotional overwhelm so that we can better uh, continue to do really important work, um, such as fighting against fascism, racism, sexism, uh, homophobia, transphobia, and, and etc. Um, so... Uh, this work is incredibly important to, to keep our minds agile and to keep our hearts open, to keep our border, our, our uh, boundaries um, uh, as filters and not as walls, mm. um, so that we choose what comes into our lives and what we wish to keep out. And um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the gist of it. A little taste, a little little snippet. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great, and I really love the idea of keeping boundaries as filters instead of walls. I think that's that's a really great visual too. This idea, sometimes I can only speak for myself, but this idea of when I've been hurt, I really want to shut myself off 
and it's important to be able to find a way to continue to communicate if one is able to instead of completely separating oneself. Right, yeah. Uh, we all like need support and healing so we can recover from those hurts and keep the filter level rather than the wall level. Yeah, it sounds like. Right, soften, yeah. that, soften that aspect of it a bit. Yeah. Um, I had two other thoughts. One is that it's a benefit. Oh, cool. Um, yes, it is. Um, so the dem- it's sorry. Go ahead. No, you can go for it. You go for it. That just made me really. Excited. I am very focused on the road. Listening out there. Um, so basically, um, it's five to ten dollars donation, but no one turned away for lack of funds. Awesome. Of course. Um, all the donations will be going towards um, IPOC or Indian People Organized for Change. Right now, they're currently um, in a legal battle um, on, about the uh, West Berkeley Shell Mound. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we are hoping to um, offer some financial support towards their um, cause. And um, uh, we also, yeah, we'll have a zine for people because um, we are going to be giving a lot of information and we don't want to have anybody feeling like overwhelmed or bombarded that they're not going to remember it all. Um, everything that people will be learning will be in a zine for them to take home. And, uh, yes, there will be donations for the zine if possible, but once again, uh, no one turned away for lack of funds. So, Great. and any, anyone who can't make it out there and would like the information through zine and we potentially might have it recorded, yeah. um, can contact, uh, one, should I do my email or your email? We can, we do you want to do my email? Sure, sure. Um, you can contact Casey Vanderzee. Um, my email is uh, Casey, C-A-S-E-Y dot Vanderzee, V-A-N-D-E-R-Z-E-E at gmail.com. Um, yeah, so uh, please feel free to give me a, send me an email. And um, if you want to have the zine in a digital form, we can send that to you. Um and as well as possible future dates that we might be doing this workshop elsewhere. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Any other questions? Wow, that's a lot. Um, thank oh. you. Oh, in a good way. Yeah, thank you very much for, for calling in and sharing this information. And I feel like that's really, it's beneficial because there's a lot of things that are problematic with the systems that are in place. And yeah, one way to eradicate absolutely. that is to provide uh, workshops like this. So yeah. we don't have to rely on these systems. Absolutely. And that's right. And the system is one of the, the stimulus of us all having this trauma that we need to uh, support each other to heal and ground through. Absolutely. So, um, thank you so much for the work you do, Roman. We really appreciate you having us call in. It's your awesome radio show. Thank you very much. Oh, sure. Thank you. Yeah, and hopefully I'll be able to see you all tomorrow. Okay. Awesome. We hope to see you. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Cool. Thank right, you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Ah, wonderful. Thank you so much for calling in and sharing that information. This is awesome. Today has been a day full of <sighs> full. It's it's only it's not even two PM yet, yet the day feels full. Folks really speaking out and the the, the idea is again to how do we create the world that we want to live in and sharing that information. So again, this is at we'll have happening at Omni Commons tomorrow, and that's at forty seven ninety nine Shattuck Avenue. Very cool. I also wanted to give a plug for uh, Star Amarasu, who we heard the first two songs I played today, 
were from Star's new album, Rebecca. And you can find more information and find out ways to order music and see when Star is performing next if you go to makestarfamous.com. Check that out. Lots of more lots more information there. Oh, what a day. What a day. It's again, it's the day is not even over. It feels <laughs> it feels like it's been it's been a lot. So yeah. Uh there's a there's a site called Trans Student Educational Resources, and they have 10 things you can do for Transgender Day Visibility. I also added a few things, so I'll just go over the list. I won't read, the, I won't read all the descriptions, but I'll just, but, and I'll read descriptions, and I'll add a couple suggestions afterwards, too. One is go to local Transgender Day of Visibility and Events, and again, there's one happening at Soma Arts tonight at 5.30 p.m. That's here in San Francisco, and there should be some happening around the country. Two, learn about trans history. Yep. And three, support trans-led organizations. And I will share the part that they say about this is that less than 10% of grants going to LGBTQ organizations go to trans ones. Less than 10%. Many trans organizations run on donations from people like you. And they list five that one can start. Uh, L. Lara Para Trans Latinas, Sylvia Rivera Law Project, Transgender, Gender Variant, and Intersex Justice Project, Trans Justice Funding Project, Trans Women of Color Collective. And then I'll also add Taja's Coalition as well. Number four, don't out your trans friends. That's happened to me a lot. So yeah, don't out your trans friends. Uh, Ask first. All right, number five, know the differences between gender identity, gender expression, sex assigned at birth, sexuality, and emotional attraction. All right, that's a lot there. (laughs) Excuse me. Number six, recognize the intersections of transness and other identities. Yes. And so they say this includes race, sexuality, class, disability, citizenship, etc. Recognition does not just entail acknowledgement. It means action and centering trans women of color. Number seven, make women spaces encompassing of trans women. Number eight. Did I say that was seven? Number eight, learn trans terminology. And they have a site here that trans language cool and again you can go check out this whole this whole article at transstudent.org um slash forward slash t-d-o-v action number nine tell people totally seriously number nine tell people when they say something transphobic or cis sexist which happens a hell of a lot so definitely call people out num or calling people in either way number 10 celebrate and fight for trans lives uh, and they say this is, oops, they say this is Transgender Day of Visibility. It's time for education, empowerment, and action. Join the celebration, start a protest, host a movie night, organize a rally, make the world a better place for transgender people. I have a lot of ideas of how you can go about doing this. I won't say them on the air, though. Let's put it that way. We can talk about it in person. Uh, other ways, other things you can do, I'll add to the list, is to prevent people in positions of power from writing and signing bills that are incredibly transphobic. We're seeing more of those happen. There's a lot of fascists in fucking government. We want to, we want them to stop doing what they're doing. We'll put it that way. Also, number 12, hire us, hire us, seriously, hire us. That's something else you can do.